Hey everybody, this is Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. This is my co-host, Biscuit Reynolds. We're here to start the show. Today uh, is my fourth episode with my friend, Scott Smith. I'm so excited to have him back on the podcast. Our other episodes are juicy and great if you're interested in witchcraft or designing your life or coming into harmony with nature and spirit. I think um, this is a progression uh, you will enjoy. Uh, one of the things when I endeavored to create a podcast that was about me and my friends, I, I wanted to show you growth and um, evolution over time, not just with me, but of course you can get that from the solo episodes. If you started episode one, I hope you hear the difference in who I am and how I've evolved over the years and um, also with my friends. And I kind of knew there would be gender transitions among them and name transitions. Not, that's not the case with Scott, but certainly like over the last four years we have evolved and I think that's so cool. Um, so in this episode, we talk a lot about divine will um, and kind of figuring that in your life. And we've talked in the last few months, I've talked a lot about like desire energy and like what's coming through you. And I think it's one of the most important things you'll do, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. Um, style is being yourself on purpose. And so divine will is just like what wants to come through you. And um, Scott has a beautiful take on that. Uh, we also talk about love and relationships and risking love and like what comes up in love. And um, if you stay to the end, which I hope you will, uh, Scott gives a very powerful uh, card spread to ask questions before you do any spell casting work, which um, Scott's uh, gonna teach that on his Patreon coming up um, over the next year. And so I just thought that was really cool. Like just very good, clear questions. I pulled out my notebook. If you're watching this, you'll see me pull out my notebook and write them down. Um, they're really good. So this is a great episode. I'm excited that you're tuning in. Um, and I also just want to tell you the best way to support this podcast. Uh, first of all, like, subscribe, share with a friend. Those things really matter and make a big difference. Um, posting about me and my classes and who I am on social media and why I matter to you. That I'm definitely a, an acts of service and words of affirmation love language person. And certainly um, word of mouth is the very best advertising. So if you have people in your life who you think would benefit from the work I put out in the world, please share about it. Um, but also my Patreon page, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. That's a membership support site that allows folks like you to support creators like me uh, to create more work in the world. The only reason why I'm able to focus so much energy on producing my podcast and my free blog, which is queerfatfem.com, um, in the world is because I have supporters who help me, you know, meet the material needs of having digital real estate online and also you know, material needs of my insurance just went up 50 bucks a month because Geico says insurance is just more expensive now. So, you know, all those basic things about being uh, in a meat sack on a floating rock through space. Um, we could be in the forest eating fruit and playing music with our friends, but we, humanity, created bills and money. So anyway, all that to say, I would love if you would consider supporting me either through a one-time donation or through ongoing support on Patreon. Patreon is really cool because it's like my playground where I, as a creator, can create things that are of value uh, through a paywall for folks like you. So I teach a class called Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics, which is for anyone who feels left behind by mainstream fitness. 
you've ever been called too much, too fat, or felt too awkward to dance, mine is the supportive class for you. You can do any of my classes from a chair. Um, you could just be laying there in the fetal position. You'll still get something out of it. Um, I teach intentionally through play and fun because you will learn something so much faster through that modality versus if you read it. It's like 20 repetitions to learn something versus 400 repetitions to learn something. And what I really want to help you do is to regard yourself and your body with love and care, which is something that I kind of had to scratch my way through the dirt to climb out of hating my body. Um, but here I am and I love and respect my body and I feel she's my partner in life in this um, experience on earth. And so I want to help you learn that. I also teach a lot about spirituality uh, that's only available on my Patreon page. I have an on-demand membership and a really cool thing I'm doing for the winter. It's called Terrapin Tuesdays. Um, and so I'm combining my love for Grateful Dead. Um, one of my... I, I wouldn't even call Terrapin, to, Terrapin Station a song. I would call it more of a metaphysical transportation device. Um, and I'm adding my passion uh, for supporting people moving through grief. Uh, grief is something I've unfortunately become an expert on, or fortunately, I've lived a life and I've loved a lot. And so grief is part of that. And so there are ways to support grieving through your body. And I am intentionally learning a new grief support stretch modality every week and adding it to um, what I'm teaching. Unlike all of my other Zoom classes, which just happen and don't get recorded, um, th these are recorded for my on-demand members. So anybody at any level of the Patreon can join the Zoom class on Tuesdays, it's 5 p.m. Pacific. All the other times around the world I post, I'm very good at time zones, uh, being an around-the-world simultaneous <laughs> teacher. Um, and so you can join us for the live class at any level, but um, at the $25 a month level, you get access to my on-demand menu, which has tons of classes. It's not just Terrapin Tuesdays, but it's an 11 to 15 minute stretch class that is focused on your body supporting um, grief and grieving. And it's and I say stretch class and I mean, we stand. I don't like to do any on the ground stretching um, when I teach, that's not my modality. Um, but it's a great class. I'm really excited about it and I'm excited to see it unfold. And I'd love to invite any of you to come and join that. And if you are listening to this episode in the future, they're there and available to you now through the on-demand class. So, um, I patreon.com slash FKDP. The link is in the show notes, um, along with, uh, lots of other ways you can support the podcast and also shout out to listener Kim, who sent me a cool thing from my Amazon wish list, which is on there. So thank you so much for your support and thank you to everybody for tuning in and being part of this community. It is truly an honor to serve. And I am grateful for your attention because remember that the three things that, um, the robots and the billionaire oligarchs crave most are your time, attention, and money. And I'm grateful that you're spending some time with me and my friend, Scott. So on with the show. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Yay. I'm again. Together again. I love our solstice ritual. Um, happy solstice to everyone who celebrates who's listening. Um, mm -hmm. I love that uh, I met you in LA and doing in-person social solstice rituals. And ever since I left, we connect for the podcast. Yeah. Those were good rituals too. Yeah. Really had, good rituals. Right. We had one at um Open Eye Crystals. Uh-huh. Right. And that one yeah. had um Cardi B playing in the background while sure we were getting ready. Sure did. Uh, sure did. The other one was at uh no longer there, but lightness in uh, Highland Park. Oh my God, that's right. Wow, lightness. Um mm -hmm. R.I.P. Kathy. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Um, okay, so let's dive into um, our topics for today. So um, can we talk a little bit about divine will? I feel like you're my favorite teacher who talks about divine will. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's a great topic. Uh, it's been high on my list lately. Uh, it's a program that we did together mm -hmm. um, online. Um, and it was through Luminescence that we originally uh, got that program. Um, there's several ways to approach it. And I like to sort of like touch on a lot of bases, but when we're really talking about it, essentially what we're really talking about is our true will, our true selves, our authentic voice. When we're talking about divine will, some people will make that about something higher. Some people will make that about something deeper. Some people will make that about something inner. And I think you're all correct, right? Like, I think that you're all correct. You're talking about the same thing. You're just having different approaches to it. Uh, when we're working with divine will or true will, um, we are tapping into that authentic voice, our true selves, and sort of deriving from the mind, heart, and body of our truest self to make those decisions. So when we're doing anything like magical or meditative or whatever, that is an exercise or a method or a connection to those things, we're bringing ourselves closer always to that inner or higher uh, voice. I think the most interesting thing about those programs, if they're really working for you well, that is the method works for you and you're getting a lot out of it and you're feeling traction and all that you're doing, whatever that means for you, is that you realize it's sort of a never ending journey and that it's always an opening up to something a little deeper, a little more. And then there's a great spirit. It's, it's like, there's a whole wild country waiting for you there. And it's you, you know, uh, and everyone else that you encounter in it. And that's all part of the divine will experience. It is both an inner understanding because it is our spiritual journey that it is a part of. And our spirituality in essence is our inner worlds right? It's who we are inside ourselves and learning to express that outwardly. And I think divine will is a great practice. Um, true will is a great practice. However you want to address that is a great way to sort of like bring that forward from a very authentic space. When you're curious about what divine will uh, wants for you or from you or through you, how do you seek that? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think meditatively is probably the first best answer. And that means going within in some way, shape, or form. And when I say meditation, uh, I, I know I probably say this a lot, and I have probably said this on this podcast before, but there are lots of different kinds of meditation. You know, um, you, there's dancing as meditation, there's running as meditation, there's movement as meditation, right? And there's also sitting still as meditation. There's putting a blinder on and, and headset, you know, and blinding yourself from the world to like really tune in. They're all meditation, right? Uh, so it's turning, tuning inward to that voice. And I think I would say it's helpful to me to understand where that voice is speaking from with inside myself. At least initially, I might identify a place, like say my heart or my head, where that voice is at. Over time, that may move around my body right? There might be like a voice on my foot and that's my divine will, right? Like, you know, because I'm stepping forward into something. Um, but really, it's just really essentially understanding uh, just the real beautiful complexity of us as living beings, that it's all part 
of this bigger uh, essence of self, this divine self or this true self, um, and just finding the right like node or doorway or space to really tune into that voice. So I tune into my heart. Um, I feel a voice in my heart, especially in the last year. It used to be my head. It used to be my crown. It used to be like a download. But now I, I listen to my heart and I just allow my heart to be open and to just receive the guidance as you would with Reiki, right? Like you just let go and you let the energy flow. And I just let that voice speak without trying to judge or edit or, you know, whatever. If I know, uh, how do I know if it's my, my true voice speaking? Um, it serves my health. It serves my purpose. It serves uh, me loving myself deeper. Uh, even if that love might be exploring something that's uncomfortable, you know, like, or, or going a direction into the unknown, but it is a loving voice ultimately, I think, because um, if anything that I believe uh, is available behind all of the divine will sort of stuff is that it is a loving force in the universe that is guiding us. I agree. I don't think there's a single spiritual teacher that I esteem that would say anything different. Like it is a loving voice. If it's judgmental or critical, it's usually your ego stepping in or something else that you don't want to take advice from. Yeah. Um, how do you, like, what are your favorite heart openers? Like ways that you like mm -hmm. nourish that heart opening? Um, without, without like trying to demonstrate an entire method that might be specific to a tradition, right? Uh, I think the mechanic of it is really important for me to say is that I really, um, I, 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 so, so let's back up for just one second to say that it's a practice, right? But a practice is defined as something that you are repeatedly doing, right? That's aimed towards a thing, right? And that it's just always a practice. You just do that sort of thing. And it can be as simple or as complex, like whatever drives you. You know, like what, however that what, like it ticks the boxes to get you into the space, do the thing, right? Um, so, so my practice is heart breathing is getting into that space. To do that, sometimes that's there's like there's like a little bit of a path to get to that place, you know, because we could be like, I want to heart breathe, but your head is like, no, mofo, this other thing happened, <laughs> and I need you to hear this first. And so, like, you know, there's there's a little bit of a steps in the process. So I usually check in with my body, uh, which I know that you're very big on like that's a that's a strong part of your practice um I like to uh check in on my thoughts and what's happening with me and I always like to refer back to how I feel so if something comes up I, I go into I feel statements and I write I feel statements um and then that slowly centers me back into a heart space um if there's not a lot there right I still might do that because I think it's a good frame of mind and then ultimately it brings me to my heart space where I like to breathe and I take gentle breathing exercises into my heart space and just imagine in my practice that light sort of growing and expanding as I breathe into it and then sitting with that light and just feeling it listening 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 that's very important for the heart listening yeah it's um Two of my favorite heart openers. One is um, movement practice, right? So like heart to the sky, mouth in a big 
I call it a Muppet smile, but like it's scientifically proven to reverse depression, but it is a heart opener. And so I just like to open and close my elbows. So I'm like physically opening the space of the heart to the sky. And like when it's, it's also scientifically proven to improve confidence when you look up. So like looking up at the trees as I'm walking or like opening up that heart space and just like having that two minutes of that can help you open your heart, but it also helps to teach the body that no, we don't need to be in this stuck, sad place. Um, but I think it's good to do that kind of stuff proactively, especially if you're wanting to listen to like what is true for you. Um, and, you know, also trusting inconvenient things coming through because frequently, I mean, as someone who has had a lifetime of self-delusion that I'm really working on, just being in a full trusting space of like, I can hear the painful truth and it's okay. Um, another thing I do to open my heart is plant work. So I find roses, specifically pink roses for me. And I know that's very specific to me from in like a fairy realm way, but like pink roses and rose scented things um, that are naturally rose scented, not like glowing fake fragrance the more spiritual I get and the higher my frequency needs to be the less tolerance I have for you know fragrance that isn't uh that's synthetic but um the and also chemicals all the things you know as you get older and develop more like your body is just like no we need to vibrate up here and you can't do this shit so I'm sorry um sorry not sorry is really their vibe it's like it's a loving voice but it's sassy too <laughs> it's just you know, it's just there. Um, so I find working with roses, I like to drink rose petals in my tea. Um, I like to, I also love cacao and chocolate for um, connecting to the heart and opening the heart. And in these times when I can afford it, I like to buy cacao for, as a morning beverage and drink that and just like connect with nature while I'm drinking that. And just um, because I think these times are so wild that connecting with our heart like first thing in the morning, I think it's some of the most sacred work we can do. I really want to speak towards the body thing. That first, that exercise is really great. I've done that exercise from you. I learned it from you and I've actually passed it on to other people. I'm like, check this one out. This is good. Um, but but I really noticed that uh, one of the issues that I personally had during the pandemic, especially is I got really heady. You know, like I got really into my thoughts. I went down rabbit holes. I went into, you know, bunkers, you know, <laughs> I went all my places, right? Into my practice and all these sorts of things. And the therapist that I had had at the time um, was like, you know, hey, you know, like what's going on with the body? What's happening, you know, in these sorts of spaces? And I had adopted a yoga practice. Um, and um, uh, I don't know how I appear to everyone, but I want to say that like, I'm not a very like, flexible person or I wasn't at the time you know what I mean and so I had to I had I had several which was actually super healing I had several moments of doing some yoga which was like beginner yoga um her name is Jessica something on YouTube I love her um uh, I could message you later whatever for it if that's important but it's free you know what I mean so I was like I'm gonna try this before I commit to anything and and I got myself into some positions which were hilarious because I couldn't get out of them at first. And so I thought, I'm alone. <laughs> I'm twisted. <laughs> what do I call to get out of this position? Say <laughs> they're laughing, you know, with myself, you know, at the absurdity, you know, of, of putting myself in the position, which really helped to loosen my body and open my heart. Because the more I was embodied, the more I was in myself, 
um, the, the stronger that heart connection grew. There's a saying, which is, I don't like it very much, but like, you know, we're, you know, we're like a soul in a meat sack or something like that. And I get it, but, but I also think that I think the body is soul. I don't think it's just a meat sack. You know what I mean? I think that this is soul. And, and when we're in it, in whatever way, if we're doing fat dance party, if we're doing yoga, if we're doing what, whatever the thing is, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, for a while for me, it was just from the chair, which I heard your encouraging voice from Fat Kid Dance Party, like, remember, like, if you can't move, sit in the chair, you know, all of those things, I think, really help. I 100% I agree with you. It, if it's, if it's done with yourself, for yourself, in a way that's gently encouraging you to be more present in your body, it does open your heart, because that's, that's self-love, you know, that's generative of self-love. They wouldn't train us to be disembodied if our body wasn't a dangerous place for us to be in. Mm-hmm. And it's also just a good reminder to just start slow with everything. Like um, I say this with about plant medicine and movement practice, like you can always get more flexy. You can always get more high, but it's really hard to get unhigh and it's really hard to disentangle yourself if you're by yourself. So start slow. Like literally just like the the couch to 5k uh people I've never done it but like I know couch to 5k is a thing but the reason why it works is because it's iterative and all good practices are iterative you don't just dive into the deep end I know some people out there are Aries and that's what they want to do but like just trust me Bevan you're someone who has dove into things I mean right like we were just talking about this before the podcast it's like going through hard things sometimes you just want to like you just got to get going, right? Like we're associated, we're socialized to distract ourselves from pain. And frequently as someone who's a procrastinator, like, no, I don't want to affirm that. Someone who has practiced procrastination a lot in the past and who now only says yes to things I really want to do or intend to do. So I do not procrastinate. And I'm really working on iterative practice and everything is just do a little bit at a time. But like, with painful experiences with hurt and grief, like if you spend a lifetime avoiding it, it's just going to build up and hurt you more later. So you might as well just take a little step every day and like move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It fills a pocket of something repeatedly when you don't address it, it becomes like, you know, one of those like utility drawers, people call them junk drawers, you know, like where like all these little bits and bops get thrown inside there. And then eventually you go to get something and like the drawer pops open and everything pops out and you're like, why is this happening to me? And then for myself personally, I was like, oh, it's because, you know, 11 years of not <laughs> of avoiding this thing. Like here it is, like, uh, you know, and, and the way is through, you know, the way is through. I'm not saying it's like through people who are truly toxic for you or that it's through any of those sorts of things, but it's through the emotional experience of what that is that probably isn't even what it is really. It, it's something totally on the other side, like, you know, waiting to pop out and be like, surprise, I'm this, you know, like, but you don't know it until you go through those, those feelings and and discomfort to get to the other side of it. But uh, Amen. Yeah. It's also true. Like, yeah. Once you know, someone's toxic for you, don't keep doing that thing. The same thing is true. Like I don't drink alcohol anymore because I know it's toxic for me and it doesn't suit my body. Um, but like, 
what I've also realized is like life is kind of a process of continually letting go and welcoming new. And like, we're here to explore and experience. And the more I can connect to the now moment and just allow the now to be the now, not layer old stories on the now, just like be grounded in this moment. Um, I find I'm having better joy and like better enriching experiences. Cause we always remember how we felt about something. And if I can curate experiences that feel good, you know, rather than like, I've been thinking about this a lot because my birthday is coming up and like, I've been looking at old birthday party pictures and I haven't had a birthday party in like five years and seeing all these people who are at various parties that like are not in my life anymore because I, and this is, I'm not calling anyone specifically a toxic person. Toxic is how your body, you interact with that person. And so just like alcohol is toxic for me, certain people are toxic for me, right? And once that becomes clear, that's clear. And there is grief and there is pain in releasing um, friendships and relationships, uh, family members that I thought would be forever relationships, but in fact, do not support my highest good in this moment, right? And like looking at these old pictures and I'm realizing, wow, like there's just a lot that I've released and a lot of people that were there in that moment, but I'm glad they were there because they were part of that joyful moment in that time. And like moving into, I'm having a birthday party for the first time in five years and like knowing I'm inviting a lot of people who are like my local friends now. And I'm so grateful to have local friends that aren't just like my neighbors, which I love my neighbors, but like, you know, it's just like a wider crew of folks that like I'm really vibing with right now. And recognizing these, I still don't know and I won't know until I know if a friendship is for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. But I can curate a really fun now moment with these people. And I'm very grateful to get to do that. Yeah, I pulled today before we sat down, I pulled the lovers, which is all about relationships. Uh, and, and uh, I was, I was thinking about that as you were talking about the, uh, the reason that the season, how is it, what is it again? One more time. Reason, a season or a lifetime. A lifetime, yeah. Um, and I, and I had been reflecting on that, especially in the last year. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, when we, we went through collective darkness, we're still involved in collective darkness. Very much. That really reveals our character. This, this is who we are comes out during this mm -hmm. and try not to be judgmental about that when i see something that i completely disagree with you know being like okay maybe not for me right like that's not for me so i'm gonna go over here right and i'm gonna breathe from that for a second see how i feel in that sort of thing but it's still a relationship and if that were for me was where i was going in this when you said that and i thought of this card was that i always think well here we are now right like this this is where we're at in this relationship and it may be stepping closer or it might be stepping further away, but we still have a relationship in the broader scope of the world. Like, I can't get rid of you. I mean, I could do a pretty good job. I'm a Leo <laughs> of annexing something so I don't have to deal with it. And I try to watch that about myself because I'm a fixed sign and I know that I'm stubborn as fuck and like, you know, have strong opinions. Surprise, I'm a Leo. Um, and, uh, but I'm mindful of that on myself, but I, but I do know, but I, but I just sort of take it from that perspective. I, I like the, the, your philosophy on that. I think for me, it is, it is just, where are we at now? Like, are we, are we, go, are we still walking this direction? No, cool. I want you to enjoy that direction, whatever it is for you, even though I cannot see it. Uh, I cannot see it, you know, 
uh, but you know, like blessings upon that so that it goes the direction because maybe it's not, because I think in some relationships that are really tightly interwoven, the movement happens and like Bevan needs to go this direction, right? But like your auntie or whoever needs to go this direction, you know what I mean? And and we keep doing this and holding hands and trying to force a middle road, but you you need to go left and right. You know what I mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean toxic people aside, you know, like it doesn't necessarily mean that like the it's over. It just means for right now, like I'm going down the Jupiter lane and doing a bunch of abundant stuff and you're going down the Saturn lane and ending a bunch of things, you know, like, and then there it is. You're like, you've gone those directions and then you meet up on the other side. I was, can I keep going? Please. I was just at this antique store in um, like Whittier area. And it's called King something. I can't remember the exact name, but it's basically three stories of booths inside, which are people's private things that they're selling. And you can get lost in there for hours. And I will literally just go there to like, just walk around. You're like, oh, I remember this from the sixties. Oh, I, I mean, I wasn't alive in the sixties, but my mom had those things. You know what I mean? That sort of stuff. And we went, we did the, the middle portion. Then there's a, actually there's four stories because there's a basement when I think about it. So I went into the lower level and uh, Brandon and my partner had walked ahead of me and was looking at this really crazy cool religious shop that's down there. And I see this woman standing before me and I know her, but I cannot remember her name or in that moment precisely how I know her. And I just was staring at her and I said, I either have to move or say something. So I said, I feel like I know you. And then she turned and looked at me and I was like, oh, I know her. And she said her name. And I went, I'm Scott. We worked at Borders Books together in 1998. Yes. So 25 years ago, I had this friend at Borders Books, pre-internet, you know, social media, all of those sorts of things. There was not these like instant connections that you can have. Uh, and and there was a series of tragic circumstances in 1998 and I had to move and I ended up moving to New York and Guatemala and all these crazy places. And then we just lost touch. And so we hadn't talked to each other and there she was. But it was, for me, like that's where we were. And then these other thing happened and we shared our stories and we had literally gone on opposite ends of the countries and, and, and all over the place to come back to that moment together. Like we randomly went there. She randomly went there. Like, like it just, it was, our hearts were just full open. We were crying, we were hugging, you know, like, you know, all the things and exchanging numbers. And, and I think I spent 40 minutes with her downstairs, just talking, you know, that sort of thing. But that relationship, you know, at the time was sort of, we totally went different directions, you know, like went to college, studied law, you know, like went that direction, is, is a criminal attorney now. Um, and then, and then me went, you know, another direction and, you know, went to other countries and all that sort of thing. And then, and then we just came back together and it was like, our relationship was renewed, like in a moment, like, you know, like we were together and our hearts were open and tears in our eyes and laughing and, and there it was. Um, I think that that is in maybe a a very interesting example of it, but I think I, that for me mirrors that idea of relationships is that we struggle to try to make it hold on to be what it is mm -hmm. because we care. We we do care, right? But like that's not really the answer <laughs> necessarily. Right. And then when we let go, we allow things to unfold and happen. We really get to see the beauty of the relationship as it is. It takes 
all parties involved to really engage that. But, you know, um, and when it doesn't, it doesn't. But, you know, like if, if we have that, if we can remember that for each other, I think that that's a great, that's a great uh, reminder. I think the spiritual process is like constant surrender and oh. like there's like old codependency stuff for me like when I look back on times when I tried to control other people like um I think one of the most beautiful things that you can give someone is a gracious um response to their no because their no is just a clear indication of like what they need and like we're not socialized to say no because we're socialized to care 100% about what other people think and 0% about what we think. And really, we need to care 100% about what we think and 0% about what other people think, like while also being kind and moving through the world with kindness. But like, it's I've been thinking about that because I was not gracious about a no and I was very defensive. Like I had a lot to defend because I cared about what other people thought. And so it's interesting. Like I um, I'm grateful for all the learning I've had and I feel remorseful for all the times I trampled over other people's nose and tried to convince them to do stuff that they didn't want to do and realizing now like the gentle approach to life is um, easier <laughs> it's harder and easier at the same time and like you can't control things like as much as we want to be walking the road with these people because we think they're safe or we think they're the right people but actually, like a lot of times life is a series of just letting go and surrendering. And um, my word for 2024 for me is curious, because um, I think curiosity is really one of the most beautiful, juiciest energies that we can have. And I just want to remind myself to just be curious. Like um, a, a recent friend of mine was talking about the 45th president. I don't even want to say his name. And um, was talking about him in this way where, like, uh, in comparison to Genocide Joe, like, just really thinking about, like, these two things and, like, what they did for us. And I'm like, I, a previous version of me would have railroaded and, like, kind of gone through my Capricorn, like, this, 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 and this. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, for me, like, I'm no fan of Biden, you know, like... I like I've abdicated from any political party. I think we need 12 parties to actually represent actual human diversity in America. And um, but like, I'm no fan of that guy either. You know what I mean? Like neither. But like, it was just interesting because because I'm leaning into curiosity, um, I just listened because most of the time people just need you to listen, you know, and I just listened and it actually gave me some really good information that will help me, I think, in my work in the world to support neither of those guys you know what I mean like so it was just like I, because I was willing to be curious and not defensive because like there's nothing threatening to me and also I wouldn't even call this guy a 45 supporter because he doesn't vote and so like I'm like well you don't vote so, like do you get to have an opinion I mean I sure you do but like you don't vote you know like so in some ways I'm like I feel not threatened by this guy you know and so uh, but I, and I do see it like as coming from a real place of privilege. You know what I mean? Like if you're not gay or a woman, like, or a person of color, like you have so much privilege in this circumstance. Of course you can think about things objectively from an economic position. And like the rest of us are out here, like just trying to stay married and like uh, have our health care. you know, like it's bonkers anyway. Yeah. I, um, I, 
I love that. I think curiosity is a great word. I try to cultivate that all the time. I've had some moments with people throughout the last four years, which quickly were steamrolled into hysteria, you know, Hmm. at, you know, like where it was like coming at me and I had to say like, okay, this is just information right? Neither one of us are in a position where this affects us at all. And we need to look at it from that perspective to be more reflective on this. I'm not attacking you. I'm actually just listening to you, you know, or I'm not, I'm, I'm just saying what you asked me what I feel and I'm saying what I feel and it turned into something else, which I think um, the second card I pulled today was the mother of water, which is the queen of cups, um, had a lot to do with <laughs> had a lot to do with being this reflective person that's like she's like living breathing you know like divine inspiration and poetry and like heart energy you know being seeing the water this card in particular the lotuses floating around her like you know this energy is is really like really observing what's being reflected on the surface of our lives but understanding that we are much deeper people and that um i think of the queen of cups as a lot like the ocean you know, like she's vast, you know, like she's that sea goddess kind of energy and all kinds of things float in the ocean. And, you know, it can flow along that direction. It's not necessarily reflective of us. Um, but I think that she also teaches us that what is being reflected in our consciousness by how we feel about it um, or the thoughts that come up for it in it are all just really super rich tools to take that curiosity and be like, okay, journal, why do I think these all these things? And like, you know, get your three pages a day in or whatever, you know, like, and just like really, you know, to get involved in those sorts of things. So I think that that's very important. My observation of everything uh, that I have found myself encouraged to create the space to have my own thoughts and my own feelings because Data-driven information is always asking us to accelerate the input of that information, which comes at a pace that we often forget to think more, to feel more about what we're doing, and just sort of recycle a lot of stuff back out. And I was doing that. And I and I had to be like, whoa, okay, like let's let's pedal back for a second here. You know, like let's start to see what I feel on that. Um so use for 2024 i feel my word really has a lot to do with reflection um and i'm sure that there's probably a german word for this but like also spaciousness like you know just be <laughs> i like, love the german language with all of their words that mean this and this like reflection with spaciousness <laughs> well i learned I learned a fun one from a, I have friends, uh, several friends from Germany who are just visiting and they um, told me a word, which is someone who is very intelligent and knows a lot of things about a certain subject who then thinks that they're an expert on every other su subject. <laughs> <laughs> that is a word that needed to be made. Thank you, Germans. <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce it, but it's called Faschidot of like, it sounds like idiot. You know, but it's fashion art, but it's, it's like smart about seals, but so, so therefore, you know, all about children, you know, like it's, you know, like, you know, like, and then you, it's, there's a word for it. I know that they probably have a word for 
curious reflection and also spaciousness. There's probably, I, I'm gonna text my friends after this and say, what is the word for this? And they'll say, oh, it's, <laughs> it's baby ba, you know? <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Yeah. Um, and also I love the, the reminder from the mother of cups that like, that we see the reflection on the surface of what's going on, but there's always so much more depth under that. And um, the high priestess is frequently pictured with a swan and swans uh, and the swan with the high priestess um, like dives under the water she and, and goes to different worlds and comes back and reports back to the high priestess. Um, and I love, like I went on this deep dive about um, the high priestess, uh, like specifically about the swan and the swan is like, what I love about the swan too, is that it's like multiple genders, like different traditions have a different gender for what swan is. And so that to me says swan is all the genders. And, um, but I just, and I love how fierce uh, swans are and like how um, they're both just beautiful and loving. And like when two of them are together, they make a little heart with their necks, but then, and the way they hug is they like wrap around your neck, um, which I just think is so tender and adorable. But then they're also like, you know, not birds you want to fuck with. Same with geese. I'm not trying to fuck with a goose. Um, but and when I think about the 12 days of Christmas, because we are 12 days out um from Christmas like I think about the amount of fowl um like six geese a laying I don't even want one um and then they're making more geese like anyway I really resonate with goose energy lately um I saw when I was waking up this morning one goose flying by going the wrong I mean going north um honking and I was like oh I hope you find your friends yeah yeah yeah, there was something else I wanted to say in there, but that's, um, I don't remember what it was. Um, somebody, I don't know. Tell me more <laughs> about the lover's card. What does the lover's card mean to you? Um, uh, oh, no, I know. I know. I remember what it is. Okay. Uh, it's uh, lover's card for me as uh, not necessarily about romantic relationships, um, although I think that it can indicate that. I think it really talks about the spirit that we generate. That's this energy that's generative between us, which is love. When we see the lovers, sometimes you see it as angelic between us, but it is that it is that angel or is that energy that's between us that is the spirit of love. So there's always uh, there's always three, or if you're poly, four, five, or six, whatever the number is. You know that there's always this invisible person in between it all. But this invisible, it's not an embodied person. It's a it's a spirit. It's an energy like a group mind, you know, kind of thing. It's it's a power that's inhabited by something that has come through as love. And I think love is very much a divine expression as we talked about in the beginning. It's a, it's a loving voice. Um, it is magnetic. It draws us together. It ignites our desire. Um, you know, it creates connections between our bodies, minds, hearts, and souls. Um, and so the lovers represents all of those sorts of things. It is a process of alchemy. It is a step on the journey of growth of bringing us together right that leads into a chain of events that causes all these transformations and other things to happening which is the you know it's like it's like rose quartz you know what i mean it's like oh rose quartz it's like a soft pretty stone and it's like yeah there's also it goes like directly to your shadow to work on that particular you know thing it's like it's like yeah i'm soft but i'm gonna go right at the problem you know like it goes it goes right in there i think the lovers is sneaky that way too like we don't see we see the 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 beauty of love when we're together and i think that that should always be cultivated right like i think that 
if we're committed to anything in a relationship, it's to commit it to that spirit so that it can, can dance with us, however we change. Um, but the other side of it, right, is that is that in that light there's a shadow cast, and and that shadow that is cast within it is some of the things that we come together to really understand through each other. And I think the lovers can sort of do that as well. I just want to point out, it does kind of have that intertwining swans. And this this is Tarot of the Spirit. This is how I learned the Tarot was this deck um, in like 1994 or something like that. Um, this this reminded me when you were saying the swans as well. That kind yeah, of it really does. And I also love the kind of infinity symbol I'm seeing there. And yes. there's, there's certain things we can only learn in relationship with other people. And the the lyric from Stevie Nicks that is running through my head as you're talking about this is that love is born from a single moment of inspiration. Um, and it's just like, what is seeking to be created between these relationships and as they come together? And like, are you going to lean into the risk of loving? Because I think as as you gain experience in love and loss, like falling in love is hard. Like this really, and like, and falling in love, I mean, can be the same like I feel almost threatened when I reach a level of intimacy with new people who I'm really enjoying being around because it's like it feels scary and sad that it might go away someday you know that they might die or we might fall out you know and like that but it's always worth risking love in my opinion like and my advice to everyone listening is that it's always worth the risk even if it hurts because you're going to learn something about yourself it, it provides for you the enlivening change that you're looking for. And it puts all of these seeds that are just so generative inside us that awaken all of these hidden gifts and feelings and, and all of this stuff. And even the stuff like you were saying, you know, like, you know, like, oh, you know, like it could end or these things, all those are also hidden gifts. You know, uh, one of my uh, dear friends uh, who sees me for meditation, you know, has the saying of like, you know, what's coming down for her? You know, like so what this is what she is receiving and then she'll say this is what's coming up right because when we bring in these like higher vibrational frequencies of things they stir the bottom of the cauldron of consciousness when they stir the bottom of the cauldron of consciousness this is all the stuff on the bottom that sort of comes up out of us that we may not address every day and when that happens i always try to remember that they're here for this too you know these parts of myself are here for this too. Like they're here for this light of love as well. And that's and that's that's also part of the the process, I think, the lovers. Yeah, they're here for this too. Yeah. Um, it was during the pandemic. Um, there was that the, I think they're called the Bennigans. They're this band. I, I don't really know much about them until then, but um she had she had gotten her COVID vaccine. The first one was like first out. It was like rocket, whatever it was called, whatever the program was. Yeah. Uh, lift. Well, I had some silly name, but um, uh, light speed. I think that's maybe what it was called. I can't remember. She 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 got her vaccination and then she just had terror in her body as she had it. Wow. She sang a song. With she has this amazing voice and cried while she sang the song, and sang to the ancestors of her body who speak through the fear because our ancestors were rightfully afraid of stuff because they had to get the F out of the way. <laughs> and that that's their voices inside us is that fear that comes up. And so, and, and then I, later I saw it with Thich Nhat Hanh and some of his work. And I saw, I started to see that message sort of around there that those, 
those things that we see as lower vibration or or fearful, you know, those sorts of things are really they're the they're the mindful voices of our ancestors and our body telling us to to be careful of something. It doesn't mean that they're correct, but they show up as instinct. You know what I mean? And it, and it's just a great place to love a part of ourselves that and transform a part of ourselves that that uh, that is ancestral in that way. I feel like I rambled a little bit there, but I want to dig in. Um, Tell me what your distinction is between instinct and intuition. Ooh, um, I think they can overlap. Um, Intuition for me, I want to start there. I actually read about this in Reiki Spirit of the manual. Intuition is an invisible sense. It's, you know, like it's a, it's, it's a substance of, of knowing or understanding the world. It, however, is not necessarily spiritual or like psychic, right? Because you can be intuitive about cooking. You know, you could be, you could be like chocolat, like you could be like the movie, you know, like you could, you know, like, uh, uh, what was the one where she did magic with cooking? You know, like it's, there's all these great sort of references of that. You can, it's 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 a it's a knowingness that's developed out of repetitive patterns. Uh, intuition is neutral in that level of growth. So we can be intuitive. Uh, we can have we can have suffered a lot of traumas in our lives, and we can be intuitive about uh, identifying those problem people maybe subconsciously through we have a sense of something, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are that harmful person. It could be our intuition, referencing our trauma, going into a relationship, triggering that and thinking that it's a harmful person, but doesn't necessarily mean they are, right? Intuition has a way of connecting dots that we cannot see. When it's connected to instinct or when it's connected to our psychic force, our spiritual body, our divine self, true will, whatever you want, then it starts to take the information which is informed by however you want to figure it, your divine pattern, your your true, your authentic voice, your true self or whatever, then it starts to speak through that, that pattern identification that the inf- intuition does to inform us what these things actually mean. And then the intuition transforms into something very magical. Instinct, I think, is the things that are embedded in us we inherit. They are in our body. It's the wisdom of the body. You know, it's like the, it's like the, like the turtle, you know, who comes out of the sand at the beach and just goes right to the water, right? Mm-hmm. And to go into the ocean and what to eat, right? That is instinct. And I think that we are animals and we all have that, uh, that instinct inside us. Ours, I think, are complex. Our instinct is based on what we have, like, 380 or 400 million years of evolution, whatever from the first tiniest microbe cell life to what we are now, that's ancestral, right? That's ancestral. And I think all of those instincts are within us and we don't understand them all, um, but they activate in us and, and, they, and they are patterns of cause and effect in our lives. When our intuition is connected to our instinct, I think that we can properly identify when something is threatening or harmful or something is juicy and good, you know, like, you know, like it, it works both ways. It's not just about the harm or the threat, you know, like it, it, it does that when our, when our intuition 
our instinct and our highest self, our true self come together, then I think we have a really whole working body of intuitive force that's really speaking from all of those soul parts of ourselves. Um, uh, that's, that's how I would sort of bring that together. And I'm going to credit Temple of Witchcraft on that one because the books, Christopher Pensack, as you go deeper into that working, they really, it's not just limited to that tradition, but like um, that's really a core part of what we do is learning to navigate those cells, but it's available for other stories and mythologies and stuff too. Yeah. I think what's also true to remember is that our bodies like keep the score, you know? And so like um, when you're doing something that is out of your comfort zone, your body thinks it's going to die. And like, so it's like the physical threat that you feel like it's, I always call, and I want to credit my friend Drea with this. It's like, um, in following your intuition feels like a jolly free fall because like you don't know where you're falling you just know you have to go in this direction but it also has there's a jolly element to it because like you're kind of excited to see what's going to happen and you're kind of excited to be exploring and so like remembering that like getting out of your comfort zone means you're literally doing something you haven't done before and your body doesn't know how to feel and like fear is part of that but fear is usually the path you need to go down and so like if fear is present it's because you've got comfort zone to expand and i always i like to remind people that we i believe we have all this potential inside us to become the greatest us of that's possible right so like the acorn turns into an oak tree but if you put an acorn in a spot where it can't get the nutrients it needs or it can't spread out enough to be an oak tree it's going to die eventually or like, you know, it'll just grow to whatever it can grow like in a pot, right? But if you're expanding your comfort zone, you're growing roots, like your comfort zone is getting bigger and bigger and bigger so that the oak tree can grow and, and get its ultimate like shade on or whatever. And like, as much as we say an oak tree, as though they're all the same, every oak tree is very different. They get really twisty too. The oak trees love to like play with the wind and it just it creates their embodiment, their unique embodiment. So like, what's your unique embodiment that wants to be created as you with like your divine will with your intuition with your instinct all of that like and just remembering that like you know I don't know a single adult who isn't traumatized you know in some way <laughs> by some experience you know and that when our highest self is speaking to us it's showing us a pattern and our lowest self our instinctual selves is showing us where the nutrients at where the richness is for the seed to grow right so so just, I just want to go, I'm trying to interrupt, but just to throw that in oh, there, yeah. it doesn't grow because it's not in the nutrient rich environment it needs to be in. And while I'm not saying for people to put themselves into harmful situations, right. But I'm, but when we're looking at it from the perspective of the safety of our exploration of what is uncomfortable for us, right. Therapeutically, magically speaking, whatever, like whatever your guardrails are involved in that, you know, like then we, we place that proverbial seed of the oak into that sort of space then the generative energy starts to activate it and then it can grow with the pattern of the higher self into something that is the twisted oak in the, in the you know in the in the wind you know like that kind of thing uh, this, no please this is i'm here for you and to share your wisdom with everybody out there um and i just i love this time of year too like as hard as it is to lose all the tree leaves like i love getting to see inside and see all the like twisty turny um distinctions that we have because we're really taught to homogenize the world around us so that we can understand it more and feel command over it but actually the world is full of 
just these beautiful beings that want to be in relationship with us. And if you walk among the trees and just slow down enough to recognize each of them as an individual, I learned this from you. They're the priests and priestesses of the plant world because they live so long and they've got a lot of wisdom to give. Um, and I learn a lot actually because trees like spend the first third of their life growing they spend the second third of their life living and then they spend the last third of their life dying and decomposing and providing nutrients back to the earth and i think that's so beautiful and only about 10 to 20 percent of all deaths are not premeditated like you have a heads up about 80 percent of death and um it's just a good reminder to spend your years in a way that is nourishing to you and the world around you and um and to to kind of not to, to destigmatize death. I mean, there's a lot of cultures that don't want to talk about death at all um, and are very afraid of death and aging. And like, it's just a very natural part of the life process. Oh, and also to stack onto what you were saying earlier about the soul being part of the body is that when we die, like suddenly many pounds are gone. And I believe it's the soul. Yeah, I think trees have a lot to teach us. Uh, I love that. The, the the third card that I had pulled for today's was the hanged man, which is about the sacrifice. He's hanging from the tree, you know, that, that sort of thing. So that's, that's very funny to me that this third card is there and this is where it went. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, to to say it with, um clarity and gentleness uh it's going to happen and we're going to be there when it happens uh and 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 that is a hard concept to embrace but eventually we must embrace it um the ramdas quote of we're all walking each other home or walking each other home is that how we live um how we live our lives with respect to death is everything. I think I think we said this when like our first podcast together. Um, but that it does, it really like that was a concept when I was younger, but now I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I know I'm walking myself home in this direction and, and I'm walking with you. Uh right. Um, and how I live today matters. Uh and and how I treat these relationship matters and how I how I uh, pick myself up when I fall and, and, you know, that, that all matters because it, it does in the end um, matter to the soul, this body and this experience um, that's, you know, in the, I'm 50, I'm in the last, you know, I'm in the last whatever portion of my life or whatever. I, I think I'll be a hundred, but we'll see, you know, like um, uh, I've said that, said that since I was very young, but um uh, but but it does it does really matter, and I think that trees and that thirds analogy uh, of their or example of their their life, I think that really does speak to that a lot. I think okay, I want to talk about your um, upcoming Patreon because you have some really exciting. Um, I could talk about trees forever, uh, but we could... <laughs> you have exciting things coming up in your Patreon and things to share about rituals, uh, etc. And like. Um, all of the things, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but it was beautiful the way you said it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, thank you for saying that. Um, I, I mean, a lot of my work goes out there. I do have, I, I did want to say that uh, we do have local classes this coming year, which really focus on magic and spell work. They are in person here in, in Los Angeles, uh, the, the Temple of Witchcraft Mystery School classes. This is not those. Uh, I just want to make the distinction of what that is. Uh, in On the Patreon, um, I started off, that was a writing project place for me. I, had some, I, have, I still have great supporting friends who, including you, who have supported me in the process of that. Um, and uh, it evolved then into you know, some fun classes and like a lot of like scribble papers and like trying to figure things out. Uh, and then it became doing monthly readings. I think it was weekly readings, which became monthly readings. And I sort of stuck with that for a while doing like monthly uh, like contemplative spreads, not like, you know, like watch out for Saturn, it's going to get you. Those are all helpful. You go to those people, you get that, keep these things in mind when you review that information. That's always how I've done a reading. It's sort of like, consider this as you look at everything else, because that's what my guides sort of speak from is that place of like, find this heart and then the pattern makes sense. So that's always how I usually begin a reading or or understand that eventually that's what resolves for anybody. So I keep that in mind when I do the readings on the Patreon. Um, but this year I feel like a frequency shift happening. And let's just say up until now, it's been very visionary blue, right? Like I'm working on oracles there. There's an oracle deck coming out, original art, doing it with a friend, monthly meditations, writing up synopses on those sorts of things, sort of like putting together the rough draft of that at a certain level, which I think is advocates. You get to see the artwork. Uh, and the meanings of the cards sort of thing in their roughest rough sketch right now. Because, uh, I mean, it's, this is probably a three-year process, realistically. After, after having written a book, which I thought was going to be done in nine months, two and a half years later, you know, there it is. Um, decks, I just want to say this as someone who creates, like, I see Oracle decks as like this intense, it's like writing a book because in many ways you are writing a book to go with the deck, but then also conceiving of which each card is. And it kind of makes sense the way Hay House does it because a lot of their books become decks because it's like the book is written and then it's just about creating the artwork and like figuring out the 44 or 52 or however big your deck's going to be chunks from it. So that's a good, I'm going to remember that too, is, is the writing and, and sort of thing. That's very, very helpful. Thank you. Um, the, the, the meditate, the journeys that we have done, uh, my friend and I, who's heavily involved in this process, uh, I mean, they have been like, how, like, like after, like after we've done them, we're like, what did just, just happened? Like, you know, like that was like, what the F just happened, you know, like, and so like shared our notes, have a month of reflection. And then we show the notes at the end. And then that becomes the material for the book. Um, and there'll be four parts to that. So they will be like, this is the meaning of the card. This is the experiential thing that you can do. This is the ritual element that you can sort of do about it. These are the things to watch out. So it's like, it'll, it'll have like different chunks to sort of get out of it. So you can sort of look at them, not just as a meaning of a card, but as like a tool you can put up and do magic with or meditate with, you know, like that sort of thing. It will have like many layers to it. I love a deck that gives me a task. Um, I have a great desk deck that like has like a prayer or an action at the bottom. It's like a work your light activation. And like some of it's as simple as like put this on your heart and say this prayer out loud. Some of it's journaling prompts, but like it gives me a thing to do in addition to the wisdom of like what's coming through. Yeah. So the visionary aspects of the Patreon continue in that, in that level. Um, the not much changes for the upper tiers 
of the Patreon, the two top uh, tiers that are there because they get treatments and they get readings or they can give readings from the month or whatever, you know, by me to other people. But then everyone else, I'm changing. I'm not going to do monthly readings for this coming year. If we were in Visionary Blue, we are now in Ruby Red Powerhouse. Like it's it's this energy of like activation and doing something with uh, your divine will, with your authentic self, your true self, however you want to say it. So I sort of am reworking it. And it came from this idea. Um, I It was inspired. That's where it really came from. Like I received, I was like, oh, I'm going to do this this next year. So sure. But but like I when when we receive an intuition, you receive that direct download or however you want to frame that for yourself, then I look at the pattern around me to see how it shifted. Like, okay, so I got this information, what do I see? Right. So I start to look around me for those sorts of things. And I was cleaning up my Google Drive, transferring the everything over to one space. Cause again, we talked about this before the um Digital real estate is expensive. And when you like have all these ideas on all these websites, it is expensive. And so like you're wise to like shrink it to one place. I found a one-on-one class I taught uh, in 2018 for someone over, I think it was nine months on how to take all of this bulk of material about magic that's available in the world and say, okay, first do this and then do this, and then do this, and then do this, and this is why, and this is why, and this is why, and this is why, and then make the magic happen. And it works. It totally works. When I do a spell, it works. Like when I do magic, it works. 99% of the time, 98% of the time, whatever that is. Sometimes, and this is why you always do reading before you do magic, it's not for your highest good. It's not for your true will. It's not aligned with your true will. Right. And when it's not aligned with your true will, your highest self is going, yeah, no, we're supposed to go that direction. And you're like, but damn it, I want to make this happen. And it's like, it's like there's there's a tension in there. It doesn't mean it's wrong because you can tap into that tension and make something happen. But it it's that philosophy that there's a there's just a well, it's like Lakshmi has blessed the world with magical information and there's just an abundance of it everywhere, right? But it can be confusing and I recognize that like when I teach the mystery school class, witchcraft two, which is about the outer temple of witchcraft. And this is about successful rituals and spells. When someone is done with that initiatory course, they're like, oh yeah, I do a magic spell. It works like this. When I teach this other method in this way, it also does the same sort of thing. It sort of organizes things based on your information and your understanding of it. Right. Cause I'm not telling you, uh, what's right for you but like how to sort of organize it for yourself that it it does in the end work out your magic does start to work really well you get to see that like the spell work is not just an intergenerative thing that's a part of it but that it actually attracts something to you in a concrete way where you see the thing that you wanted to manifest in the world so i sort of broke it down with like over the months of the year probably the first two thirds of sort of putting it all together. So like there will be a, at the base level, there will be like a sort of like, this is the concept, this is how it works. And I'll put it into a video. So it will be a teaching video that you get to watch. And then there'll be in the second tier, which is the praxis tier, which used to be about meditation, uh, will now be, here is an example of that as a magical practice that you can do. 
right now with it. Um, and between those two things, it will give people like, this is how you do a circle. This is how you do a magic. This is how you make it happen. And it will, it should, uh, I'm being very confident Leo right now. It will work. It, it should work for you if, if you follow those steps. Are they the only steps in the world? Absolutely not. There are lots of ways to do things. Mm -hmm. This works for me. And I know that when I teach this way of working magic and spell, it does work for other people. Um, I have had people come to me um, off the internet. I would like to attract this partner. Uh, I would like to make this business. I would like to, whatever the things that they want to do. I would like to, I have this vision of being, being a singer, right? What, whatever the thing is. And I go, okay, uh, what have you done? And they you know, give me a variety of examples. And I go, okay, I see what your creative process is. This is how we're going to start to do this. And we sort of go through a step by step by step. Why are you using that tool? Why are you using this thing? Why do they do this part of a ritual? How does that even make sense to you? When you understand how it makes sense and you put it all together in that way, you're like, oh, and then it activates something. It activates something because it's a map of how the universe responds to a group of people. That's what traditions do, right? That's what methods do. And when you have that sort of method map, then it activates um, successfully for the most part. Okay, so which tier on your Patreon is getting this this spell where it's the first tier? First tier. Okay. First tier. If you sign up for $5 a month, it will be this this sort of walkthrough. We're going to start with the inner things. We're just going to get people on the right page of like tuning in um, uh, with suggestions and guidelines. And then each month it will start to open up a different, like we'll go into elements. Uh, we'll go into like, you know, sort of what threads the world. Then we'll start to use the tools that tap into those elements and start to put it all together in that sort of way to make it happen. So it's a good program. The, I'm the excited. This level is really like, here's a specific example of this that you can do from my practice to make this work. But the first one is basically everything that you possibly need about it. The second one will just be like, here's a, here's a, here's a piece from my book of shadow to like practice yourself, you know, like, or here's the, the thing to do this particular piece of magic in a certain way. Okay. And so to give the, um, my listeners, watchers, viewers, um, audience of babes uh because if you listen to my podcast you are totally a babe uh to give them a little nugget what are some good questions and you are babe uh scott k smith also a longtime listener of the podcast um what are some questions you could ask your cards if you want to if you're thinking okay i want to do spell work to bring it five thousand dollars for example um like i want five thousand dollars what are some questions you would ask your cards to like make sure that's divine will and that's like in alignment with what uh you should be asking for ah uh, i would ask your cards to speak with the voice of your divine will okay i would start with there without step by by including that voice within your cards so to say this particular deck that i got the tarot of the spirit this was the again the deck that i learned on but i use this deck as the voice of my most loving divine self and that's the one that talks to you through this deck I'm the only one that touches this deck. No one else puts their hands on this. This is only for me. I got a special little blanket for it and a little pouch and like, you know, I, I love it up, right? So I ask that specific thing. I ask, if I were to do this, what are the steps? And I might pull like, 
what are the immediate steps that I need to do and maybe pull a card? What are the the intermediate steps that I need to do? And what's the long-term goal that I need to, you know, accomplish in order to make that happen? Cards just fell out as I did this. Um, and then I also like to, and there's a couple of ways that you can do this. Um, uh, what is my hindrance? What's the thing that's sort of like preventing the process? What's sort of crossing me in this? Um, I might also look at um, what's one benefit I'm not seeing that I could take advantage of right now. Um, that's usually that's usually tactic. And I always, whenever I do a reading, I always flip the deck over to look at the card that's on the bottom. Me too. Because that bottom card is usually like this may not have to, anything to do with what your reading is about in fact, but it could be something that you're just not looking at that you need to become aware of um, that is uh, beneficial or, you know, uh, either way it's beneficial because you know it's there. I've always heard it called the heart of the matter. And so for me, like when I pull my daily card, like I always flip over and just like take it as more advice, you know, like more, more ways to see today. That also works. Yes. Uh-huh. That's the question for you. This is very helpful. Um, I am kind of curious what cards fell out of your deck while you were. It was the Princess of Swords and the King of Pentacles. Oh, okay. Princess or Page. That's usually how. So it's when I see a page. A page is not. Some people say page is a child, uh, and I think that there is a childlike curiosity there, right? But I recognize the page as having accomplished something. Because they got through the one and the 10. They can do something. They know how to do something. Even if it's just they can identify the elements of everything. The suit will then indicate what that's really about. If it's air, it has a lot to do with inspiration in the mind of um, uh, learning, uh, of, of communication, you know, those sorts of things. So they know a certain thing of how to accomplish that. You know, like this might be like a, a good card to say like you know something but there's still some learning to do but you should definitely go out and practice like you should put your you know pen to paper you know page of uh page of uh swords king of pentacles has a lot to do with some like that's the manifester like you know of of manifestors you know in, in the deck that's one of them is the king of pentacles not only do they have uh resource so i would say to look at your resources and to look at how you are allocating spending, conserving, or um, you know, administrating them in your life. And for, but really what, for what purpose? You know what I mean? Like where, like, are you doing it from a place of, um, you know, right alignment within your heart, body, and mind, you know, like, uh, because the King of Pentacles in reverse is like really miserly, you know, uh, controlling you know, uh, but in, in the right order, it's like you, King of Pentacles, you see something happening and you go like, oh, hey, uh, can I tell you something about this? You know, like, you know, try doing it this configuration and, you know, doing this exercise and putting your money here and like, you know, the, they would be a good financial advisor, right? You know, like, but like, but a good advisor in that sort of sense to help you to sort of like put things in right order for yourself. So two decks, two cards falling out would be 
uh, page of pentacle, page of swords, put your ideas to paper or put them down, write them down, see what you have succeeded with, accomplished, uh, what you would like to work on and ask yourself, maybe in relationship to the question you asked the cards, uh, what's the immediate step I need to take? What's the intermediate step? What's the long-term step? What's helping me? What's hindering me? And what am I not seeing? You know? Great spread. Um, oh, that's good. That's juicy. I love it. I hope I, I was taking notes. I was writing all that stuff down. So I'm excited. I put it in my planner. Um, so I can turn to it every time I have a request for the universe. Um, Scott, tell us about, um, oh, tell us patreon.com slash Scott K Smith, right? For your Patreon. Uh, yes. Scott K Smith for the Patreon. Yes. Uh -huh. Okay. So your red bubble is another thing you wanted to talk about. Tell us about your red bubble. Yeah, so the, the I'm going to go short on that one a little bit at the start because that was just an inspiration because I really needed to get a creative bug out. And uh, a friend had suggested, all these things come through suggestions from friends. So like, you should do this. And I'm like, okay, I'll look at it. And like, you know, I'll try it out. And um, it is a place where you can, or, or you should upload high quality art. Uh, you know, you need to create a, generate a certain type of image there, photographs, digital art, photo, you know, like, all of that kind of work of things. And they print it onto products. There's lots of sites that sort of do this. Um, I happen to know someone um, closely associated with Redbubble. And uh, so that made me more curious about it uh, because I really think that they are a wonderful person and um, they're very mindful. You know, like I was like, oh, okay, well then if you're aligned with this, then I think I need to look at it. You know, like that's that sounds like a good idea to me. So they could put your artwork onto bags, cups, dresses, shirts, phone cases, you know, whatever. I, I I think that that's great if that's what you want. I really like it for the printing of artwork because I make artwork. Uh, I have for a very long time, a very long art history, uh, mostly self-taught, some graphic design experience. So Redbubble was like a curiosity. And I did it and I uploaded art. And then in the span of a month, I became like a second tier Redbubble person where like, uh, a premium artist kind of thing on there. I think because I was making original work, I still don't know how that happened, but I'm blessed with it. So I'm 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 like it's opening for me, um, and uh, I have been taking some of magical items. There's a lot of fun kitschy stuff on there, you know, like that's like fun quotes or you know like um, very cute like adorable animal things and like the, the the sky's the limit. There's so much there, but I've been taking a lot of the sigils that I use for magic to make things happen in the world, putting them into artwork and then uploading like big resolution pieces of those so that people can wear them. Um, I have the one, this is an older, this was a tester, but this is called um, token. And it's like um, the the needle and the seed um, with the little, with the little like, like a dandelion sort of thing. So it has that sort of resilience of a dandelion. Uh, and inside are our symbols to like help manifest things. So I use this on stickers on candles. Stickers are the cheapest thing to buy in Redbubble. Um, and then you basically use this as, I'm actually sending you a version of this um, for the new year. Uh, Me? Uh, it's, I, yeah, it's got, it's it's really great. It's like Bayberry and Copal and Road Opener and Crown of Success to open the door to 2024 and, uh, and welcome in what you want. Um, but ultimately it's to bring it's to manifest something. And I, and I find working with this symbol, it manifests things. I, I call it by its name, which is token, like a token of gratitude or a token of whatever. Um, I put the sticker on a candle, I burn the candle down, and then I begin to fill it with coins and other 
things that are associated with what I want to manifest and it works. It draws it in uh, with what I want. Um, I also do things on there like um, little healing symbols. This is for our, give this to the Reiki students. This is a symbol of the healing altar. Um, and I've done Reiki on this one every day. So when someone uses the symbol for healing, that healing energy starts to pour through it. Um, on um, posters, you can get it on bedspreads. You can get it on any of those things, however you want to integrate it. And I love that part about the red bubble. If you have the specs right and you upload a, the, a nice enough resolution, you can make really full, beautiful pieces on there. I'm wondering if I should show that photo, but I don't know. Uh, well, I will say like one of the cool things about uh, Redbubble that you said before we started talking on recording is uh, that they are environmentally conscious and they care about the uh, impact that it makes on the world. And I think that's so important um, as someone who cares about the ethics of everything. Every I don't want to make any wealth off of wage slavery. And I think, you know, I've seen... Uh, celebrities uh who utilize wage slavery for their wealth um in terms of like what merch they create and then i also see it reflected in the things that they're accused of by people who have worked with them i'm like oh this person doesn't actually care about the human experience and that's a character issue that is indicated through everything so i think as we like bring our values into alignment with who we're giving things to also red bubble one of my my mom's on the internet that I follow. She loves Redbubble for stickers. And so she goes on there to get cool, unique stickers for her kids uh, that reflect their interests. But I love that you can get stickers from Scott and put them on candles. Cause like, oh, so excited. I have two naked candles that I'm ready for Scott stickers. I have like 12, nine or 12 things on there. Like one brings more joy. One brings confidence. Um, what is a healing goddess symbol? There's the manifester, there's a Taurus one on there, there's an Aries one on there. So there's a good earth one and a good fire one on there. And they're simple, but they're they're easy ways to just get a sticker and then slap it on something and then a candle or you know, like your laptop or a journal or whatever, and just sort of bring that energy energy in. Uh, once a sigil is made, once a magical symbol is made, it's active. These ones in particular, I keep them on I have behind this computer, there are altars. And I keep, I feed these symbols all the time and I feed them energy all the time so that they're really enlivened for those sorts of things. But Redbubble does have a very strong statement on their website. You can go to them. Um, you know, I'm not like an affiliate or anything. I just use their website. Um, it, they are a corporation, but they use the businesses around the areas to fulfill the orders for things. It's not coming from just some giant warehouse and, and, and you can read all about there. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing all kinds of important points, but when I read it, I was very happy uh, that I saw. I love it. And I also love that you continually put that Reiki energy into that sticker. Um, and because I do um, a Reiki healing on everyone who's ever attended an aerobics class or ever will attend an aerobics class while I'm teaching the class. So every time you're getting energy from me, if you've ever been or ever will go, and I, if you're open to receiving it, I'll receive it. And I love that. I love the the gathering of energy and just how, because as the giver, as the artist, the creator, or the healer, the energy exchange that you experience is now, right? Like the, the creating of the thing. But then the energetic experience can happen at any time because time isn't really real. I love right. it. Yeah. Um, okay, Scott, tell us about your in-person things for folks who are lucky enough to live in Los Angeles. Uh, how can they find your in-person offerings? 
Yes, we have both online and in-person coming up. So we have an intro to Holy Fire Reiki, um, which is coming up in January. Um, that will be a lecture and an experience with it. So you get a flavor of the energy. Some people are turned off by Holy Fire uh, because they think it has religious sort of backing or background to it. And not everyone like uh, agrees with that. But I, I don't think that's actually true. And I think that if you look at it as really just tapping into like those um, otherworldly beings who are in service to humanity, you're really touching about what Holy Fire is about. So I do, um, I have that online and then I have um, a, for Patreon followers there is, or, or students, there is a winter solstice prep coming up next weekend. Um, and then there is a, online reiki master class in beginning because that's three online classes and then some months of follow-up you've done reiki master training so you know this um do for a holy fire reiki master um so if you've had any kind of reiki master experience that's open uh to that sort of thing and then i have in-person reiki in april and june i think those decks are those uh dates are correct so that will be in-person Usui-styled Reiki with the Holy Fire integrated into it so that you get the best of both worlds, one and two coming up. And then in, um, in March, we start the Temple of Witchcraft Mystery School tradition. So these are initiatory traditions in which you do for a day. There is a lot of prescribed content, a lot of writing uh, and homework. You have to turn in every month uh that gets not graded like a b c d e f but like looked at reviewed and feedback is given um to help you on your journey so you tell your story um in the format that's given and then i re reply back to that and we have that at level one two and three um so the inner temple teaches us how to sort of organize all the inner skills the outer temple teaches us how to express them into spell and ritual and be our own priests and priestesses in the world and then the shamanic temple of witchcraft is the third. That's only for initiatory people who've already gone through our practices. Um, and that really starts to delve into the plant spirit medicines, the animal spirit medicines, the, um, the ley lines, the, the deep forces of creation and the shadow work uh, on that one. Um, those are the three that are in person so far. There's still a lot more in the work uh, we may even um, I can't say exactly what it is yet, but we will be at a local church doing some uh, Wheel of the Year celebrations uh, as well, so people can attend those. And those will be in like the Northeast Los Angeles area, but details will come and they will all be on the starandstonellc.com, which is where I post all of the calendar information. Great. And I'm going to put links to everything in the show notes so you can follow uh, and support Scott Smith all over the internet. Um, Scott, I'm so grateful to just have you as a friend and a teacher in my life. I always learn so much from you. I'm so grateful for you and your energy and just, just to know you. Thanks for continuing to be your best self and to continue to vibe up and learn and follow your curiosities. Bevan, 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 thank you, uh, for all that you do as well. And for having me here, um, I'm a great appreciator of the light that you bring to the world and uh, the way that you move energy and what you offer. So yes, I'm always happy to do this. It's like one of my favorite things. Yay. I love you, Scott.